Hello, and welcome to The Legal Helm, where we talk all things legal plus tech. On today's show, Bim speaks with Richard Bircher, chairman of Validatum and virtual pricing director. They talk about how firms can implement technology to improve their ROI and streamline the pricing process, and how the future of pricing strategy is rapidly evolving as a human plus technology hybrid. And now, on to the show. Hello, Legal Helm listeners. Today on our show, I'm really excited to be talking with Richard Bircher. Richard is a former practicing lawyer and managing partner with 40 years of experience in legal services pricing. He is the chairman of Validatum and virtual pricing director, which have provided pricing consultancy services and the very latest in legal pricing software to over 300 law firms in 25 countries. He is regarded by many as the international leader in the field. And today's topic is how a pricing strategy plus technology can impact a law firm's bottom line. So firstly, Richard, welcome to the show and thank you for taking some time out to talk with us today. Thanks, Bev. Great to be here. So before we get into the software side of things and, and what you're doing in the pricing space, it would be really interesting to know a little bit more about the path that led you from practicing law to consulting with firms around pricing and then on to develop your platform VPD. So maybe you could give us a little bit of an overview of your journey. Yeah, sure. All of my practicing career was in private practice in New Zealand. Began my legal career in 1980, far too long ago. And all throughout my career, I had a fascination with pricing. I had colleagues in my own firm that seemed to have an extraordinary ability to articulate the value that they were providing to clients and have them pay a good fee, and others really struggled with it. And I made a career-long goal to try and get better at it. And as I moved through the firm, I had more opportunity to implement change. I undertook a couple of years of master's level postgraduate study around pricing, left the firm in 2008 to set up Validatum as a consulting business. And as luck would have it, I was invited to keynote at an international conference in 2011. And that resulted in my first major instruction with one of the large London headquartered firms. And so we relocated the business to London in 2012. And we've been here ever since. As for the technology side, one of the things that we realised a few years ago was that the purchasing of technology by the legal profession had matured to a point where everyone now pretty much understood that technology on its own is very rarely, if ever, a solution, unless it's accompanied by the other two components, which is the people and the process part and paradoxically we'd built our international reputation around the people and process part and we realized that the piece of the puzzle that was missing in our offering was the technology and that was the birth of virtual pricing director fantastic thank you for that richard you touched on really what i wanted to get into a little bit with you at this point which is really about law firms' approach to implementing solutions around pricing, right? So pricing solutions have been around for a while now. And some of the feedback that I get from law firms is that they have challenges in terms of getting that pricing software implemented in a meaningful way, largely because of lack of engagement sometimes, because obviously a lot of the knowledge around how to price a matter is, is in the lawyer's head, right? It's in those experts' head. And you talked about those three components in terms of your approach to really being successful when implementing your solution. And I'd love for you to kind of delve into that a little bit more. So what is the process that you guys take that really make a difference in terms of making sure you've got the engagement of the people that understand how to price a matter? And then how does that flow into the way that you educate a firm to make sure that they're you know, able to get a successful outcome from implementing your product? 
Well, I think it's a good, really good question and it's perhaps key to the success that we've enjoyed so far. And it's one of our very definite USPs as well. I guess the answer lies in part the fact that I come from a background that is shared by the people for whom we are trying to solve the problem, and that is the lawyers. There is a wide set of constituencies in a law firm that have an interest in pricing from quite obviously the finance team, the bids, pitch and tender team, marketing and business development. And they all have various perspectives that they bring to the pricing function. Finance in particular are already really well served with some very clever data visualization technology that we're all familiar with. That enables them to do their job really well. And of course, they're masters of Excel. Your average lawyer is not and is frankly not interested in anything like that. So we built Virtual Pricing Director from the ground up based on a specification that I kept asking myself, what would I have liked when I was in practice? What would have made my life easier? So whilst it's a a terrible marketing cliche to, to refer to a product as built by lawyers for lawyers, that is the truth of the matter with VPD. So we've placed an enormous emphasis on UX UI so that your average lawyer can look at it and think, This isn't scary, it's intuitive, it looks like my working day, this is how I go about putting a proposal together. So that's an important element. But if you come back to the people and process part, they have to know why they're doing it. And the unfortunate reality is that as practicing lawyers, none of us have had any training in pricing historically. We were just assigned an hourly rate, told to go and fill our timesheets, and one thing would follow, profit. The pricing world in law is vastly more complex now. And so if you instill the, the skills, the tools, the confidence, and indeed answer the question, why should I use the technology and what difference will it make to the firm and to me personally in the delivery of my services, then you're leaving out a huge piece of the puzzle and you will get the very thing that you spoke of, Bim, and that is very low adoption, very low interest and a very low ROI, which is, so we're told, has characterised some of the challenges that firms are facing at the moment. But we think we've cracked that. Thank you for going into that. And yeah, I totally agree with you. And, and you make the point around ROI, right? And really, that is one of the big drivers for a product like this, right? Because fundamentally, you talk about ROI being related to profit and profit margin at the end of the day, which is on everybody's minds at the moment with the economy being the way that it is. For a firm that's looking at really putting the business justification for a product like this, what's your angle on that? How would you educate firms in terms of taking that to the business to say, this is why we need a pricing solution? Here's how we define what ROI we're going to get from a pricing solution so that it becomes an easy decision-making process, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's really interesting. We have found that when we're asked to come in and pitch or put a proposal to a firm or give them a demo, there are typically three audiences in the firm that we need to engage with and, dare I say, impress. There are the lawyers, there are the finance people, and there are the IT specialists, and they each have a stake in the success of this as a project. The finance people are very focused, understandably, on the numbers, the ROI, and I can say that that breaks down into two components. One is the opportunity cost associated with the time saving. So if lawyers can produce a high quality, thoughtful, novel, interesting pricing proposal in 20 minutes, when it previously took them an hour or an hour and a half, there's clearly a cost benefit there. So that can be quantified. The second financial benefit will be in the improvement of the usual metrics and KPIs that firms keep a close eye on. So real 
prioritise rates right off levels and so forth. But there is another component to the ROI, which is, I would argue, is just as important, and that is the client perspective. At the end of the day, clients have certain requirements, and top of the list is usually price transparency and budgetary certainty. So if a software solution can help deliver that from the client perspective, then the second qualitative ROI you're going to get is high rating by the firms around how the firm handles the commercial aspect of the relationship with clients. So it's both qualitative and quantitative. Hey John, how do I find out what we've invoiced my client? How can I view my outstanding wit? How do I submit my expenses again? Do we have next Monday off? It's exciting to have fresh faces at your law firm, but onboarding them takes a lot of time and a lot of energy when everyone is remote. You're busy enough as it is. Helm360 has the solution. Just ask Termi. Helm360's next level chatbot solution for knowledge management. Termi can answer many of your new hires questions for you without distracting you or anyone else at the firm. This means fewer frantic emails, fewer help desk tickets, more time and more focused productivity for everyone at the firm. Working with Termi, you can have those eager new employees up to speed in a snap. They may never need to ask you a question again. Check out helm360.com forward slash Termi to see Termi in action and find out how it can make onboarding new hires as easy as sending an email. Can we kind of delve a little bit into the platform? So virtual pricing director, in terms of how that's delivered to a firm, can you talk a little bit about the technology? Is it cloud on-prem solution? Tell us a little bit about what it integrates with today so that we can kind of get a better idea of what the platform's all about. Sure, probably 85% of the functionality of the platform can only be delivered with integration with the firm's PMS. So we have both an on-prem and a cloud solution. Both of those are immediately available. And we integrate with all of the major practice management systems, obviously 3E, Adderant, but smaller ones as well, including Peppermint, SOS, and Partner for Windows. And the key to that is having a relatively painless integration. We're very, very conscious of the fact that this is a pain point for firms. And when we're doing a presentation, we'll often see IT directors sort of leaning intently into the conversation, looking for the inevitable pain points. They're invariably under a lot of pressure and have multiple projects on the go. So without going into massive detail now, because we don't have time, there's an awful lot that we do to relieve the IT team within the firm of a lot of those pressures, and we take those on ourselves. When I was looking at some of the information around the product, one of the things that you talk about on your website is around the AI aspect of the platform. I'd be really keen to understand a little bit more about that so our listeners can understand like what aspect of AI is being leveraged there and how that impacts the overall outcome of the product. Yeah, if I'm honest, Bim, that's probably more aspirational than in reality at the moment. And firms find this with me. We desperately keen to avoid over-promising and under-delivering. I think many firms have fallen victim to that in the past. Our aspiration around AI is that we will be able to deploy machine learning against the data lake that inevitably builds up within VPD. We find that many firms actually are very keen to bring their data into VPD at the time of launch. And after due reflection, every firm that we've been working with has actually decided against it because sadly, if the data has not been properly 
categorized and tagged, then the machine learning has little to go on. And so if you ask your average lawyer, what would the fee be on a $30 million or pound commercial property acquisition with a mortgage of half the purchase price, they will quite literally give you a range of somewhere between 50000 and 200000 And the variables within that seemingly consistent job description will include the number of tenancies and a myriad of other factors. So actually comparing like with like, which is essentially what you are asking machine learning to do, is extraordinarily difficult unless firms have gone to a very deep level of granularity in categorizing their data and their various work streams. And to be honest, once they start looking at it closely, they admit themselves they aren't there yet. It's something that we are very much working on and going to help firms to improve on. But right now, it's not feasible to do it commercially, but we're getting there. It's actually very refreshing to hear you hear you answer that question in that way, because it's very it's very much the case that a lot of solutions in the market do overpromise, like you mentioned, right? So it's good to understand that actually you can get benefit from a platform that maybe doesn't like deliver on all of the shiny stuff on day one, but fundamentally it solves the actual problem that you're looking to solve and that you've got the core fundamentals there for the future, right? So that where that data is building up and totally get that clean data really is the key to success for any of these types of solutions, but it's great to hear that the solution itself has that capability for future. Well, I've taken a leaf out of Peter Thiel of PayPal fame's book when he talked about the most successful software he's ever had anything to do with are not the ones that have or claim to have the greatest number of features and functionality. It's the ones that do the basics brilliantly. And that's certainly a mantra that we've taken on board. Yeah, absolutely. Great. If I'm a firm that's in kind of a state where I'm not ready to buy technology, but I really am concerned about my approach to pricing and the methodology or lack of methodology that I might have within my firm, how would you kind of advise customers on that aspect of things in terms of getting ready for putting a strategy in place? Would that make an impact without the technology, for example? And what would be your general advice around that? Yeah, we've actually refined our approach considerably over the 14 years or so that we've been working in the market, and we now have well-defined successful roadmap that we've deployed many, many times. And it begins with an exercise in winning hearts and minds of partners. There's a lot of scepticism and, and bear in mind, I'm a former managing partner, so I'm one of them and I understand precisely where the scepticism comes from. They will say things like, well, the market is the market, the market sets the price, we review our rates annually, there's nothing that you or anyone else can really teach us about it, we've been doing this for a long time. And so there is an, there is an exercise in metaphorically lifting the curtain and giving them a peek under it about what is happening out there, what currently constitutes pricing best practice, what their competitors are doing in a suitably anonymized fashion, of course, and to give them hope and get them believing that there really is much more that they can do to control their own fortune around pricing, that they are not a cork bobbing on the sea. And so we find that a session that galvanizes and motivates the entire firm, typically a 90-minute presentation that we're asked to do at partners' conferences or at some other suitable event. But what that then leads on to is the next question, if we're going to get better at pricing, there seem to be a lot of moving parts. Can you give us a sort of a very high level synopsis of the kinds of things that we need to be looking at? And we've encapsulated that in what we call the four pillars of pricing. And they consist of pricing governance, pricing analytics, pricing execution, 
which is basically teaching partners how to have better pricing conversations and learn some pricing skills. And then the fourth one is pricing technology. And what we find is that firms have made some progress in all four of those quadrants. And our initial job is to run a diagnostic ruler over the firm and see just where they are at on each of those quadrants and then prescribe a bespoke solution for them to take it forward. But it doesn't matter where the firm is on that continuum, whether they're only just starting to think about it or they've already made a lot of progress under their own steam, we come in at that appropriate point and help them move to another level altogether. So in terms of the kind of conversation around preparedness, right? So if somebody is looking to implement a pricing solution and implement new methodology along with that and obviously like the change management piece of that is there anything that you would advise customers or what potential customers could be thinking about now in terms of readiness right so that before they even begin an engagement to make that change are there things they can be doing now that could make a difference like i think you mentioned a really good point around data right so maybe data cleansing data cleanup operation if that's one of the things that they want to kind of think about moving into the platform any other things in terms of around the process side of things or change management side of things that you've seen work to, to kind of lead up to the to the process of actually implementing a product like this? Interesting you make the point about data cleansing and so forth. A lot of firms actually begin by saying to us, we're not ready to work with you yet until we have done a whole lot of things, including data cleansing and so forth. We always counsel against that. The reason why is if you go back to those four quadrants that I talked about, pricing governance, pricing analytics, pricing execution and pricing technology, it begs the question, is there a best practice linear approach or contemporaneous effort to try and improve under each of these to do one before the other? Are there dependencies between those four? The short answer to all of those questions is no, which then leaves us open to the question, where's the low-hanging fruit? Where can we begin to legitimately make progress right now, today, this month, this quarter? And let's start with that. And that's the pricing execution piece. So that is upskilling the lawyers, instilling greater pricing confidence in them, teaching them the art and science of pricing, enhancing their commerciality and their ability to have commercially focused conversations confidently with the clients, and then begin to pick up on the other things later. Because if, for example, you say, let's clean up all our data, well, that could be a two or three year project, quite literally, with larger firms. And even then, there's no guarantee that the quality of that data would be as usable or as dependable as we might like. So we encourage firms to say, look, you can start making more money now. You can improve your bottom line with the skills development. I mean, we were doing that for uh, 10 years very, very successfully before we even conceived the idea of providing a technology solution. So let's get some runs on the board, improve the bottom line now, improve our partner's pricing confidence and start to backfill the other aspects and the other requirements. So it's almost counterintuitive what I'm saying, but we've worked with over 300 law firms in 25 countries. So I, I think we can say with a measure of confidence that that's a strategy that works. Yeah, I love it. And and I think I think ultimately what you just described makes total sense because you're getting to that ROI destination a lot quicker. So you're proving out the value of the product a lot quicker by simplifying the implementation process. So it makes total sense. And the other thing too is that the way we've architected virtual pricing director is that the quality of the data going forward, because it engages in almost enforced tagging and characterization through the 
template model, it means that they start accumulating more and more quality data that then becomes more usable and more informative going forward. So whilst no firm wants to be told, look at your historical data, terabytes of it though there is, is not necessarily surfaceable in a usable way, but start using Virtual Pricing Director and it will be. No one wants to be told, hey, you've got to start from scratch. But there are massive benefits that flow from VPD, even without having access to that historical data. And I'd be delighted to show anyone why that is the case. So kind of moving on to some of the dynamics we're seeing at the moment in the global economy, I'd be really interested to get your view in terms of what you're seeing in terms of the customers that you're working with at the moment with regard to pricing trends. Any changes, any significant shifts that you're seeing in terms of some of the dynamics that are happening with all of the additional cost pressures and inflation pressures and everything else that's going on in the economy at the moment? Thanks for the opportunity to rebut something that to be honest, frustrates me a little. And that is everyone's bought into the mantra that clients all want more for less. In other words, they want more of our legal services and they want to pay less for it. That is not necessarily the case. We work with firms that are deeply involved in procurement processes and have close relationships with GCs and in-house legal teams. And what they're actually wanting is better value for money, which is not the same thing as more for less might sound uh, a contradiction, but it isn't. What they're also looking for, as I said before, is greater price transparency, greater budgetary certainty, and a greater correlation between what they're being asked to pay and the value that they perceive that they're getting. None of that speaks necessarily to cost reduction. So some of the specific pricing techniques that are front in people's minds at the moment include things like subscription models, Retainers, a different method of selling legal services through a subscription model. LAAS, if you like, law as a service. Another area that's proving to be problematic and people are really interested in is how do we wrestle with the new development of hybrid technology stroke human service delivery? So we've got a lot of great kit hitting the market now, document review technology and so forth, but firms have realised that one of the challenges with that is they've not only incurred the cost of investing in the technology, but whereas without the technology, they would have charged paralegals out half a dozen of them for a couple of weeks to review documentation that can now be reviewed by the software in a fraction of the time, that, that has effectively trashed the hourly billing model. So working out how to charge for a hybrid human tech service delivery is proving to be really interesting. One of the other trends that, frankly, we are encouraging in our professional development and masterclasses and consulting work with firms is an increased commerciality around price risk sharing models with clients. Law firms have historically prided themselves on partnering with their clients, and I use partnering not in the legal sense, but the sort of the business collaborative sense. But that does not often manifest itself in pricing models that reflect that alignment of commercial interests. So one of the very successful trends has been coming up with pricing models that share both the downside and the upside from the client perspective. And we've, we've seen a lot of traction gained with that, with clients who really appreciate law firms that don't just sit there and dispense black letter law advice, but are truly willing to align their commercial interests with the clients through a pricing model that reflects that. So there's some really interesting stuff happening. Really interesting, actually, especially the challenge around pricing some of the technology-driven automation and stuff that's happening at the moment. So that's that's really interesting space, actually. We recently had an example of that where one of the providers, Kira, 
asked us to present a series of webinars, global webinars, for their law firm subscribers who were raising the question, we don't know how to price this aspect of our work anymore because it has both a technology and a human component and that's not a dimension we have historically had to contend with or understand because we've been in the business of, I suppose you could say cynically, selling six-minute units. When you introduce software as a major contributor to the delivery of the services, that's a real challenge. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Richard, it's been really good to learn a lot about, you know, pricing methodologies and how to approach implementation and especially about the platform Virtual Pricing Director. I'd like to move on to some wrap up questions, if I may. This is a question I ask all my guests. I find the, the answer is very interesting, depending on, on who I speak to. If you could borrow Doctor Who's time machine and go back to Richard at 18 years old, what advice would you give him? I can see why the answers to these are interesting. That's not one that I was expecting. I guess my answer would be, believe in yourself. Be courageous. It is quite possible to be the only one that's right in the room, but it's also very easy to lose faith in that conviction. If you believe in something and you believe you can make a difference, it doesn't matter what anyone says. Just pursue that, you know, relentlessly. Fantastic. That's great. Great advice, actually. Secondly, what is the one question that you would have asked yourself that I didn't ask you today? Oh, goodness. Do I still enjoy what I'm doing at my stage of my career? When, to be honest, a lot would say that they've reached a stage where they can't wait to retire and are cynical, bitter and twisted. I love what I do. I'm in a part of the UK at the moment, working intensively with one of the great regional firms between their two major offices. And I always finish the masterclass sessions on a high. I never get tired of interacting with lawyers. I am one. I always will be one. I understand their world and I love it. And I love making a difference. And the acid test for me is the reaction I get from long in the tooth partners at the end of these sessions. And when someone comes up, as they did a couple of weeks ago, and says, look, don't take this the wrong way, but I came along to this with a pretty closed mind and pretty sceptical and cynical. But I have to say that that was the best professional development I've had in my 40 years in practice. That'll get me through the next month. So, no, I thoroughly enjoy what I do. Yeah, that's, that's excellent. And, and to be honest with you, I mean, I've met you a few times, but ultimately the passion and determination that you have for this area and just for the technology side of things is it definitely comes across in every conversation that we've had. So totally, totally get that. And I can see how people would really appreciate those sessions that you're doing in your masterclasses and, and so forth. Any closing thoughts or advice that you think would be beneficial for the legal professionals that are in our audience today? Yeah, look, we're going into a challenging time. I don't think anyone denies that. But keep the bow of the ship into the waves. There will inevitably be casualties in the profession, firms that disappear, that are absorbed, merged, and so forth. But the future is bright. I suppose with the benefit of some age, you can subscribe to the view expressed by somebody much more articulate and eloquent. This too will pass. But there are also, in times of challenge, business-wise, there are also opportunities. I read a Forbes magazine article a couple of years ago that said that there were more millionaires created during the Great Depression than at any other time in history. If you look at it in terms of the glass being half full rather than half empty, there are always opportunities. There are going to be winners and losers, for sure. But for those that get it and take the right steps now, the future is still very bright. Fantastic. What, what, a, what a positive note to end on. That's really fantastic. So if anyone wants to get in touch with you, Richard, um, what is the best way to contact you? 
They can just jump onto our consulting website, validatum.com, V-A-L-I-D-A-T-U-M.com, or just, <laughs> I actually tried it the other day, Google Richard Berger pricing, and I was astonished to find that I'm on the front page. So you shouldn't have too much difficulty in finding us. Excellent. Thank you so much. It's been really good to talk to you today, really insightful, and I'm sure lots of excellent nuggets for our listeners to take away, and really look forward to talking to you again in future. Thank you, Richard. My pleasure. Thanks so much, Bill. Thank you for listening to The Legal Helm. We hope you enjoyed Ben's conversation with Richard and found it insightful. If you liked it, we would love it if you would subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us out. See you all next time with another episode of The Legal Helm.